1: Today is Saturday, May 15th, and today we're talking all about COVID-19 variants. You've probably heard about the new strains of the coronavirus already circulating around the U.S. and the world. So today, we'll explain where variants come from, why they're a concern, and what can be done to stop even more from forming. We also discussed the question many people are asking now, will I need a booster shot every year? Joining me is Dr. Carlos Malvastuto. He's an infectious disease expert at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center, and he's leading multiple teams in research studies about COVID-19 treatments. Welcome, welcome to the Newsworthy Special Edition Saturday, when we sit down with a different expert or celebrity every Saturday to talk about something in the news. Don't forget to tune in every Monday through Friday for our regular episodes when we provide all the day's news in just 10 minutes. It's fast, fair, fun, and on the go. I'm Erica Mandy. It's time for today's Special Edition Saturday. You ready? Let's do this. Welcome to The Newsworthy. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: We know that viruses naturally mutate over time, right? Can you first explain, at least in basic terms how new strains are created or formed?
0: Viruses mutate naturally over time. As they replicate, there will be small mistakes that are made. In many cases, those small changes don't really make much of a difference. But there are some situations in which those mutations will actually lead to what we call a fitness advantage, where the virus will be able to, for example, replicate more quickly, or it would actually lead to faster transmission or possibly it would allow it to escape um, an antibody response. And then we would likely see an increase in the emergence of those mutations.
1: And to that point, we've heard some of the new strains of the new coronavirus that causes COVID-19 are more contagious and possibly more deadly. So what's the latest research show? And how many different strains of COVID-19 are the new coronavirus Are out there right now that are a concern?
0: As of now, we have about uh, five or six variants of concern and a number of variants of interest that we are closely paying attention to. So, some of the ones that you may have heard about are, for example, the B117 variant, uh, which Originated or was first detected in the UK. It doesn't mean that it started in the UK, but the UK started doing a lot of genomic surveillance much uh, more frequently than we did. So it was initially discovered there. Other variants of concern are the B1351. This is a variant that was initially found in South Africa. And these variants, uh, just like the coronavirus in general, they tend to spread. So over time, the fact that they start in one area uh, doesn't really mean that you're not going to find them everywhere else. As a matter of fact, In the US, the B117 variant, or the previously called UK variant, is now the most prevalent variant. So over 60% of the virus that we now sequence is of that variant. And then there are other ones like the P1 that originated in Japan and Brazil. And there are a couple of uh, sort of local ones like the B1427 that was found in California.
1: What's the role of COVID-19 vaccines when it comes to these new variants? One, can the vaccines actually help stop new mutations and, and variants? And two, will the vaccines still work as well against these new variants that are already circulating?
0: So, so far we have good news overall. So what we know is that the two mRNA vaccines, so the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and the Moderna vaccine, they were evaluated initially in large phase three clinical trials at a time when we didn't have a lot of these variants circulating, or if they were circulating, they were circulating in very low frequency. But when they went back and looked at the data, so, Pfizer was able to show that the protection against, for example, the uh, B1351 variant, the variant from the South African variant, was as good as it was for the vaccine variant itself, the vaccine, the local original wild type variant. The same case seems to be with Moderna. So, they've gone back and actually done some work in the lab to show that they do, in fact, uh, the antibodies that are produced as a result of, uh, you know, vaccination with these vaccines are equally effective against these variants, in particular with uh, the B117, which is now the most prevalent one here in the U.S., then they're still very effective. The J&J vaccine actually maintained good efficacy. It was somewhat reduced, but it was in the order of 68% uh, or so against asymptomatic disease, and it was about 86% effective against severe disease
1: are you concerned about additional variants popping up even as more people are starting to get vaccinated?
0: Will new variants continue to emerge? Yes. Will the variants be so different that at some point the vaccines will become completely ineffective? While it's less likely, there is a, a certain point at which if we've vaccinated enough of the population, then the variants that would emerge would have to be the ones that actually can escape the immunity provided by vaccines. If that is the case, whenever that happens, then we know that we can then give boosters that would better target these variants that would escape the immunity provided by these vaccines. And in the case of the mRNA vaccines, it's actually fairly easy to do. You kind of change the template and then, you know, you have a new vaccine. If it does happen, then, you know, we would have boosters. Now, will we need boosters? This is a question that a lot of people are asking, you know, well, are we going to need this every year? And that seems less likely to me just because, again, it's different. You know, everyone is, is drawing that parallel with influenza. So I think, yes, we may need that, but we may need it, you know, maybe every two years or even longer. But it also has to do with how quickly we vaccinate. If there is a a reduced pool of people who are susceptible to the virus, then there's less transmission, and then the probability of new variants emerging goes down quite a bit. So the more we vaccinate them, and the faster we vaccinate the population, then there will be a smaller and smaller pool in which these new variants could emerge
1: what it will take to get to herd immunity in the United States, and what role new strains are playing in creating new COVID-19 hotspots around the world. But first, a quick break to thank our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If there's anything stopping you from being and feeling like your best self, then why not give BetterHelp a try? You can talk to someone when and how you want, on your own time, at your own pace, and you choose whether you talk through text, chat, phone, or video, Of course, everything you share is confidential. There are counselors for everything you may need, including anxiety, family conflicts, grief, stress, and more. BetterHelp will assess your needs and then match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours, all without any offices or waiting rooms. And it's easy and free to change counselors anytime to make sure you get the right fit for you. If you've ever thought of giving this a try, now is the time because the Newsworthy listeners get 10% off your first month just by visiting BetterHelp.com Newsworthy. I want you to start living a happier life today. So get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com Newsworthy. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com Newsworthy. This episode is also brought to you by FrameBridge. I really recommend using FrameBridge for all your framing and gifting needs. I had such a great experience. I bought some digital photos for our new nursery, and then it was so easy to just upload them to FrameBridge and see those exact photos in dozens of different frame styles. I still couldn't decide which frame, so I used their free service to work with a talented designer and get recommendations. I ultimately chose a frame that adds such a great pop of color to the room. And I loved that all three photos were delivered to my door beautifully framed and ready to hang. Or if you need help creating the gallery wall of your dreams, you can also work with the design team for that as well. FrameBridge makes it easy to frame and hang physical pieces too, from paintings to recipes to even jewelry. So get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use the promo code NEWSWORTHY to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com with the promo code NEWSWORTHY. That's framebridge.com with the promo code NEWSWORTHY. Okay, now back to my conversation with Dr. Malva Stuto. What percentage of the population do you think needs to be fully vaccinated in the U.S. to reach so-called herd immunity and to help slow down any new variants forming?
0: So the thought has been that, you know, if we reach somewhere around 80 percent, we would have herd immunity. The higher the proportion of the population that is vaccinated, then the lower the risk of transmission is in the community. So even if we're not exactly at that point of, you know, herd immunity, then the transmission would slow down enough that the emergence of these variants then would become less likely.
1: What's your take on how the pace of vaccine distribution is going currently in the U.S.?
0: You know, we've made a good effort and I think overall we've moved at a good pace. But we're at that point where we really have to focus on the population that hasn't been vaccinated. Why haven't we reached them yet? I'm actually in favor of the efforts to now shift from mass vaccination sites to Being able to provide vaccination locally, very close to where people are, taking the vaccines to people, anything that we can do to actually make it very, very easy for people to go and get vaccinated, then we should be encouraging that. Now we are really ramping up the vaccination, for example, in pharmacies. And, you know, we have drugstores, pharmacies in, in uh, most communities. So it's a relatively easy place for people to get to. But we should be able to do it even without people having to sign up for a vaccine. the The goal would be for people to walk into uh, their local pharmacy and get vaccinated. And that will make it much better. We can certainly do better. We can't stop now. I worry also a little bit about the fact that, you know, we are now at a point where, you know, most states are opening up. Now we're going to be having uh, sports events and lots of other activities and, you know, going out to restaurants. So as we do that, it's very important that we get people vaccinated.
1: What's the latest research show about vaccines role in actually stopping transmission, not just severe disease?
0: Now we're learning, and this we're seeing now from uh, real-world data, that transmission in communities where there are high rates of vaccination definitely goes down. While it is theoretically possible to transmit virus, you know, what we see is that when somebody is exposed, somebody is vaccinated, they're exposed to the virus, they clear it very quickly because of the antibodies that they already have. And in fact, you know, we're already, already seeing that in the hospital. So, for example, we test, everybody who gets admitted to the hospital for any reason for COVID-19. And we pay close attention to cases of patients who were fully vaccinated. I was in service on the consult service a couple of weeks ago. and We had a lady who was in her 80s. She was here because she had broken her leg, so needed surgery. But we found that she tested positive for COVID-19. But what we found is that she was completely asymptomatic. And also, when we measured how much virus she had circulating, it was an extremely low level. And with extremely low levels of virus circulating, then it's unlikely to then be passed on.
1: And when you see- see new spikes in covid-19 cases or hot spots whether that's here in the US or especially now around the world do you automatically think new variants are playing a major role in that or is it just that people are letting their guard down
0: we're doing a lot of this genomic surveillance to see if the new variants are playing a role there was an outbreak that was seen in manaus in brazil and the thought was that what was seen you know, in that spike was actually a higher prevalence of a new variant, the P1 variant. But at the same time, the vaccination rate in that community was very low. Now in India, there's a lot of interest. There is a local variant that is emerging, but there's still a question as to whether it actually leads to faster transmission or not. It may, but the fact is what's driving the transmission more than anything is the fact that the rate of vaccination in India is still extremely low, which just makes it very easy for the virus to be transmitted. There is also an element, an important element of letting the guard down. So India was actually doing a very good job for a period of time. And all the way through March, in fact, the Indian government was touting the fact that they had controlled the outbreak locally, the pandemic locally. But Now, as we see, you know, since uh, last month is that that was uh, obviously very premature. So we can't really let our guard down. And it's also that's also important for us to be aware of here in North America. You know, the majority of people are still not fully vaccinated. So there is still that risk that, you know, we will continue to see spikes. We can do a lot more uh, once we're vaccinated, but the truth is, you know, we, we really can't say, well, we're happy with just uh, less than half of the population being vaccinated and immune. We really need you know most of the people to be vaccinated. And this also is to protect those who will not mount an immune response even with vaccines. So, for example, cancer patients in chemotherapy or transplant patients, their immune systems are too debilitated and they're unable to really mount an adequate response even when they're vaccinated. So they really rely on those around them being immune against the virus so that there will be a lower risk of somebody transmitting vi- the virus to them.
1: And finally, what's your biggest concern about the new variants?
0: We need to really understand that we can't just focus on what happens here in the U.S. or even in just North America. You know, what happens in other countries will eventually have an impact on what happens here. So we can't just be happy with like, oh, we're vaccinating. You know, even if we reach 70 percent vaccination in the U.S., if the rest of the world does not reach those levels of protection, then we're still going to continue to deal with problems here. The virus doesn't care about borders. So it is important that as we making all these efforts to vaccinate people here, that we also do the same to ensure that we're vaccinating people elsewhere. If we do that, then the emergence of any variants, and as I mentioned before, you know, like the South African variant, the UK variant is now the most dominant one in the US. The South African variant is still, you know, less than 1% of what we see in the US, but we know that that's going to increase. So if other variants of concern emerge in the rest of the world, they will eventually make their way to the US. So we really need to work globally and collaborate to make sure that we are protecting the entire population of the globe.
1: All right. Thank you so much for listening today. And if you found this interview helpful, please be sure to share it. As always, join us again for our regular episodes during the week when we provide all the day's news in about 10 minutes, Monday through Friday. So we'll be back Monday with your next news roundup. Until then, have a great weekend.